Here we go. Today's daf is daf Lamid Tesamid Aleph. We're learning page 39. So we ended off yesterday's daf. We're up to Ton of the Bay Rebbe Shmol. It is the three lines from the top of the page, the last word on 39a, Lamid Tesamid Aleph, and that's where we left off. All right, now, just to get our heads back in the game, we're coming off of a Gemara which described that the, one of the greatest chasadim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the greatest kindness that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us is free will. And if a person wants to do the wrong thing, guess what? No, uh, I shouldn't say no problem, but we're welcome to it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Gesundheit. hate. As one of my rabbeim once told me, he says, you should know that learning Torah and keeping mitzvos is optional. Say, oh, how can Rebbe say something? How can he say it's optional? Yeah. The answer is because there's options. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, listen, you don't need to be religious. You don't need to wear a black hat. Doesn't say that. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, listen, I'm put, placing in front of you Tov and Ra. You know I'm around. You know there's a Torah. Now be smart. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu demands of us. Says the, great, the Holy Chafetz Chaim. Nowhere does it say to be from. Rather it says be smart. That's it. There's a Torah, there's mitzvahs, we got to do our best to be smart with it, all right? Because Baruch Hu says, listen, you want to do the wrong thing, you have that option. However, a person who comes to do the right thing, to be Mekadesh and sanctify himself, Akadosh Baruch Hu says, not only will I allow you to make the, right, the uh, proper choice, however, Messiah, I say, I will hold your hand, and I will make that choice easy for you. And coming off of that Gemara that leads us into the next Gemaras as we finish the chapter. Here we go. Tanadabir Rabbi Shmol. They taught in the yeshiva of Rabbi Shmol. Avera metamtemes libay shal adam. Fascinating. Sins are metamtem the heart of the person. Okay, metamtem the heart of the person means they kind of create barriers in our hearts to really grasp our connection between us and Hashem. So this is a, a very a fascinating concept because very often we may think that some people are closer and further from Hashem. What we see from our Gemara is that's not true. Nobody's closer and further, but what we can do is create obstacles, okay, through our actions. You should not make yourself tummy and become tummy through the Averis. Don't read it because you might become tummy. Ella vinitamtem, because you've created barriers in our relationship between us and Hashem. This is actually a, a very beautiful idea, and that is we never really create further distance between us and God. But, we'll, but there are barriers. So when we do Averis, it does create barriers for that connection. However, Chuva removes those barriers. But nobody can ever say, I'm, I'm any closer or further from Hashem than anybody else. A person might have more barriers. Okay, so we do tshuva and we get rid of those barriers. The rabbis learn, so Do not become Tomei, because then you'll create these barriers and you'll become contaminated through them. This lets us know, as we know very well from our personal lives, that once we start a particular path, and we start a furrow in the field of not good things, mitamin oisai harbe. That path can very easily continue. 
and get worse. It can spiral. And we know that this world and the next world really shadow each other. So the more impurity we create in this world greatly impacts our level of purity in the next world. Now the reason why this is so fascinating is because the Mishnah in Avos tells us, Everybody's ultimately, we all have a portion in the world to come. This Gemara is letting us know that a person can have a portion in the world to come, but it can be, it can be a weak portion. Okay, it could be a weak portion. So even though we're all going to be there, everybody's portion does look different, and we have to be very careful to stay away from the impurities in this world, lest it impact what our chelek, what our portion in the next world looks like. Tanur and the rabbis learned, and that's why they're rabbis. Here we go. You should make yourself kadosh and become holy. What does that mean? A person makes himself a little bit kadosh. So you get yourself on the right furrow, in the right field. So also that path also is like get the zach. It'll it'll uh, keep going. Okay, down here if we make ourselves kaddish in this world, we sanctify above as well. We actually say this every day that we go every time we go to shul in the in kedusha we say nikadesh es shimcha Hashem, we will sanctify your name in this world the same way that, that your name is sanctified in the next world. There's a direct correspondence. And again, just to point out, when, we, when a person is not on, you know, on, on get what we would call a spiritual rut, when a person gets into a spiritual rut, it's very hard to pull ourselves out of it. So how do we do that? This Gemara is giving us some advice. You know what it says in the Gemara? Here's what you got to do. Go do a mitzvah. So you're in a spiritual rut, your davening's not well, you're not appreciating Shabbos, whatever it is. Go give a little bit of charity. Get on that forum. Yeah, just do something small. Give somebody a, a smile that you're not interested in smiling at. Do a little bit of chesed. And once we start to bring Kedusha in, then once we're on that furrow, we create, we're creating that, you know, that path, that row, that can very well uh, um, continue and bring Kedusha not only in this world, but to the next world as well. Hadron Allah, Omar Lehem Amamuna, Hadron Allah, Omar Lehem Amamuna, Hadron Allah, Omar Lehem Amamuna, Mazel Tov to everybody who completed the third chapter of Yuma. Here we go. All right, we're up to Perak Dalit, the fourth chapter of Yuma. And uh, uh, a, number, uh, a number of things on this daf we're going to be familiar with. It discusses the lottery that the Kaingodal performed on Yom Kippur where we know, we learned previously a few daf ago, that it was written on one Lashem, it was written on the other one La Azazel, right? One got brought up on the altar, on the Mizbeach, the other one was, was sent off the cliff. Both of them were sin offerings, and both of them brought atonement for, um, for Klal Yisrael, okay? But uh, we, what we did learn previously is that the lots did not need to be made of any specific material, but they did need to be of the same exact size. Okay? The, the word that said Lashem and the one that said Lazazel needed to be exact. Otherwise, it's not a fair lottery. Yeah, the Kangala could pick around in there for a little bit and, you know, make the Lashem one a little bigger, smaller. Eh? So we're going to learn a few things about how the lottery was performed. All right, here we go. Says the Mishnah. Taraf Bekalfi. Taraf means he would yank it out 
you would snatch it out. Why? The Gemara is going to tell us that otherwise um, it's gonna, it doesn't look good. Like when you keep your hand in there a little bit, it looks like you're feeling for something in particular. So what he would do is he would st- they would shake it up first, and then he would, ha- he would stick his hand in and immediately pull his hand out. Whatever was there came out. You can't be swishing it around looking for your favorite ticket. Okay. And he took out Gairalais. He took out two. He took out both. One of them said Lashem, and one said Lazozel. The assistant kind of was to his right. The Rosh Beis Av was to his left. Who was the Rosh Beis Av? So as we're aware, and we've repeated a number of times, but let's remind ourselves of how the Kohanim, the, the setup in the Beis HaMikdash was. So the whole family of Kahuna was divided into 24 groups, 24 Mishmaros. They drew lots for what weeks that family worked. And then in that week, they also split up amongst the, the different families, the base of, you, okay, this family of, of uh, you know, the, the Usbridge family is going to do Sunday. The Siegel family is going to do Monday. The Rivkin family, Tuesday. Perel, so on and so forth. And everybody got that day. So whoever ended up with the Yom Kippur day is called the Rosh Beisav. All right? The leader of that particular family is called the Reish Beza. So he stood to the left. If Lashem came up in his right hand, Hasagan Omerlo, the assistant Kain Gadol says, Ishi Kain Gadol, Hagba Yemincha, lift up your right hand. If Hashem's name come up in the right hand, okay, assistant says, lift up your right hand. And the shame came up in his left hand, the uh, the... Rosh Beis Av, the head of that family, said, Aymer Loi would say to, say to the Kain Gadol, Ishi Kain Gadol, Hagba Simolcha, lift up your left hand. The son of Nashnei Seirim, and then he would take each one and put them on the goats, okay? The goats were standing right in front of him, one to his right, one was to his left. So whichever one came up in his right hand went Lashem, whichever one came up in his left hand went Azazel. Omer Lashem Chatos, and when he places it down, he says, Lashem Chatos. Rabbi Shmuel Chatos. He didn't have to say Lashem Chatos, he just had to say Lashem. Ella Lashem. And they, meaning anybody who was around listening and watching the lottery take place, they would say, now, why would they say So we just learned three or four blot ago. Whenever you hear the name of Hashem, what do you say? You ascribe greatness. And therefore, and like we said, this is where the custom uh, in Shul, when the Chazan says in Chazaras Hashats, in the Chazan's repetition, when he says, Baruch Ato Hashem, everyone says, Baruch Over of Magin Avram. Yeah? When you hear Hashem's name, you give blessing to to uh, Hashem's name in a, in a humorous way one of the one of the uh, jokes I tell the kids in class is I ask them what is the one word in the Hebrew dictionary that starts with the end of chaf that starts with a chaf sofis it's the one word in the dictionary that starts with a final letter 
starts with a chaf sofis. So they're all opening up their sedurim. Yeah, yeah, it's a joke. So I'm like, guys, don't look too hard. You're not going to find it, right? You're not, you're not going to find it. They say, what is it? So I tell them, chshmo. Yeah? Because that's what everybody says in shul. You don't say, baruchu, ruch, shmo. Chshmo. Right? You just say the last letter of Baruch, and that's it. You're good to go. So there you go. If you want to know one letter, one word that starts with a final chaf, it's Chashmo. All right, here we go. Zok the Gemara says the Gemara, Why didn't he to pull out the lot so fast? He answers the Gemara, So that he can't figure out exactly which one's going to pop up in his right hand. says, Kalfi That these lottery pieces were made out of wood, as we know they were initially, and they did not have the Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash. Okay? Um, and it only had room for, in the box, it only had room for the Lashem piece, the Lazazal piece, and his two hands. Because we remember, again, very often we picture lotteries or raffles where you reach in and you pull out one thing. You pull out one thing. And over here, he pulled out both at the same time. And just depending on which one he pulled out, that, um, that was, uh, you know, the, the one to his right went Lashem, the one to his left went Lazazam. Basketball, Ravina, Ravina, that's a challenging question. Bishlama, it make, it's understandable. That the box only had room for his two hands. Now, why was it necessary? So that he can't, you know, he can't uh, wiggle around, okay? He can't feel around and make sure to take Lashem with his right hand. Which, if he pulled out Lashem with his right hand, that was a good sign, okay? Why was it necessary to have these pieces not have intrinsic holiness? Why did they need to be purchased with outside funds? Why couldn't we purchase it with Beis HaMikdash funds and, uh, and, and make it holy? Make it belong to the Beis HaMikdash. So the Gemara says, Im kein havala shal shal le'avdina. It says, I'll tell you what, because a klishares is, not, is never made out of wood. And since these things were made out of wood, so we didn't want them to be, uh, to be holy. Okay? Ask the Gemara, and show me where it says in the Torah it needs to be made out of wood. Then after the kesef, then after the zav, make it nicer, make it out of silver, make it out of gold, and let it belong to the base of mikdash. Doesn't say yet. Show me a pasuk where it says. Show me any verse where it says it's got to be made out of wood. The Gemara says that Torah What a beautiful, beautiful answer, and such a, a truism. And that is, the Torah is concerned uh, uh, of Jewish money. This is a very important idea and a very important concept for us to keep in mind as well. To be chos amemaynam shal Yisrael. That if a Yid owns something, whether even if it's not a shul, a yeshiva, uh, a fund for the poor, but even a, a Yid owns something. We have, to, we have to take money very, we have to be very, very sensitive when it comes to, uh, when it comes to finances, not to burden any sort of community unnecessarily. It's actually brought down in halacha that you're not supposed to make a public appeal more than, more than three times a year. That's what you can probably more than three times a year. Not to burden the community. Somebody has a particular cause. It's not proper. It's not even tyradic. It's very interesting. It's not tyradic to ask somebody for funds more than three times a year. 
It's not appropriate. Like you got to give people a little bit of, of space. You know, it's it's a it's, this is a it's, if we wouldn't be sitting here in Dafyaimi, this could be an, an hour sheer in and of itself. The importance of being sensitive in these matters, not to make things too expensive and not to make things too hard on people. Period. Okay. Says the Gemara further, You should know that our Mishnah, I'll tell you who it's not like. Yeah, this Gemara is very Jewish. Instead of telling me who it is like, I'll tell you who it's not like. I'll tell you who's not going to work out of here. The Tanya. We learned in the Brisa. Rabbi Yudah says, In the name of Rabbi Eliezer, Both the Sagan and the Kaingadol stuck their hands into the box. If whatever came up in the right hand, the kind gadol haskan emerlay, ishik kind gadol hag bayimincha, pick up your right hand. Viyavino yisrael shvana that came up in in the right hand of the sagan kind gadol reish beisav emerlay the kind gadol daber milach. You're the one who says lashem. Very interesting. In other words, according to this brisa, it's not that the kind gadol stuck in the right and the left hand and then took it out and put it. Rather, the kind gadol stuck in uh, stuck in his right hand. And the assistant kain gadol stuck in his right hand. There were two right hands that were put in, and then each one, uh, each one uh, pulled it out. And whichever one pulled it out was the one who, who uh, you know, would call out. The, the, they'd say, "This is the one that pulled out Lashem." Says the Gemara. One second. The name uh, lay sagan. Why did the sagan kain gadol have to tell the kohen gadol what to say if he's the one holding it? Let him be the one to say Lashem. The Gemara says, no. Kivan de Solik Since the assistant Kohen Gadol was the one that says Lashem, Chol it doesn't. It's not so good for the, uh, for the Kohen Gadol. Yeah, he'll, he'll feel bad. Meaning like, he's the big kahuna here. Literally the big kahuna. You know, he's the Kohen Gadol, right? So the Kohen Gadol is, he's like the big shot, so to speak, in a good way. He's got the head position. You have his assistant be the one who pulls out Lashem. <clears throat> okay, no. At least allow the Kohen Gadol to be the one to announce the winner, right? Uh, how it went, instead of giving it to the assistant. Rabbi Yehuda holds that the reason why two right hands went in is because we prefer that a right hand pull out Hashem's name more than it co- potentially come up in the left hand of the kain gadol. Umar savar, but the Tanakam of our Mishnah holds ki hadadinenu. It's the same thing. There's no need to go have bother somebody else to stick. Let the kain gadol stick in his two hands, and if the if the left one is lashem, it's the same thing as the assistant kain gadol pulling out lashem with his right hand. Okay. Uman haytan de polegalid Who is the Tana of our Mishnah, which says that the kain gadol sticks in both hands? Who's arguing Rabbi Yehuda? Rabbi Yehuda, the Kanaka is Rabbi Chanina, the assistant Kain Gadol. The Tani we learned in the Brayz, Rabbi Chanina, the Kanaka Hanim, and Rabbi Chanina, the Kanaka Hanim says, "Lamos Gambi Aminai." Why did the assistant Kain Gadol have to stand to the right side of the Kain Gadol? Why did he stand on the right? Shemira by Pesul the Kain Gadol, Nichnas Ganim Shamish Tafta. In case something goes wrong with the Kain Gadol, let's say he has some emission that comes out of his body, and he cannot do the Avoda. So at least on his immediate right, we have the assistant right there on the spot to be able to step up and step in. Okay. And now that we're on this topic, we are now going to share a little bit of history 
of the Kayin Gadol and uh, taking out of these lots. Here we go. Here we go. Some beautiful Gemaras. Tanurab, one of the rabbis, so Shui Arbam, Shana Shashim, Shim Natsadik, for the 40 years that the great Shimon Natsadik served as the Kayin Gadol, Hayagaira, Elabiyamin. Every single year of the 40 years, in his right hand, it would say Lashem. What a beautiful sign. Not only that he's a tzaddik, but uh, uh, the, where, where the Jewish nation at that time was holding. After his time, then it, it's, you know, it went back and forth. Sometimes in the right hand, sometimes in the left hand. And when, when uh, Shimon tzaddik was the Kayin Gadol, so the string, the, the strip of wool, would always turn to white. It would never remain red. Okay, now this is referring to, uh, Rashi explains over here, that they tied a red, a red strip of wool to the head of the Sa'ir Lazazel. And um, when the Sa'ir Lazazel was sent off the cliff, it was like miraculously back in the, uh, you know, back in the original place, everything, the, the, there was wool that turned white. And that was a sign that Klai Yisrael was atoned for. That always happened by Shimon HaTzadik. Mikan ve'elach. But after his time, pa'amim malbim, pa'amim Sometimes it turned white and sometimes it stayed red. Vahyaner maravi daileik. And also the western candle of the menaira always remained lit. It never went out. Mikan ve'elach pa'amim doleik pa'amim kaveh. And after his era, after his time, it depends, okay? Sometimes it would go out, sometimes it wouldn't. That, the miracle of it staying on was not consistent. And also, during the time of Shimon HaTzadik, the fire on top of the Mizbeach was always rocking, all right? It was always burning strong. And the Kahan never had to schlep more wood to the Marachah. They had to add those two additional pieces, but these, the wood, for 40 years, strong fire, and the wood never got burnt up. It just kept going. Okay? They would put down these two, though, so that they could be part of the mitzvah. It would depend. And the Kahanim were not able to hold off from bringing wood the entire day, meaning this was a, this was, became a full-time job, okay? Full-time job. Then it, w- once Shimon HaTzadik was no longer around, because wood burns fast. And also by Shimon HaTzadik, there was bracha for the carbon Oimer, the Shtei HaLechem of Shavuos, the two bloods of Shavuos, and Lechem Aponim. During the time of Shimon HaTzadik, every Kohen that got a piece of the Lechem him, the 12 showbreads that the Mishmar, the watch, would divide up, okay? No matter how small of a piece they got, they walked away, that was a good meal. That was a good meal. They walked away nice and satisfied. And some people would even leave over. And everybody who would, every Kayan who would read, uh, who would get uh, uh, the smallest amount, even the size of a kful, the size of a, a bean, 
Hatsnuim Moshchem Nesyadeim Vahagargonim Noitlim Vaoichlim. Yeah, so those who were more generous would kind of say, you know, if you forgive me the size of a bean, I'd prefer nothing. I'm not, I don't need that. I might as well allow somebody else to get a little bit more. And uh, those who were, you know, uh, hungry and didn't know how to share and refrain from food, they would take larger amounts. It once happened that there was a Kohen that took his portion and the portion of another Kohen, and they called him Ben Chamson. And they called him Ben Chamson. Rashi says Ben Chamson is a gazlan. They called him a, a robber. Okay? Ad Yoim until the day of his death. Period. Okay. So we're not yet finished this particular idea, this particular thought. But what we do see from here is we, we got onto this tangent again. Uh, just to remind ourselves how we started this discussion. I wouldn't call it a tangent, but we, we started this discussion because we were talking about the two lots. And we said by Shimon HaTzadik, the lots always came up Lashem in the right hand. And once we were talking about Shimon HaTzadik, we continued discussing other, uh, other miracles that took place during his era. Okay? And we're actually going to continue this discussion. But before we continue the discussion uh, more about Shimon HaTzadik, let's first ra- wrap this up. We just said there was a Kohen who took his portion, his friend's portion, we called him a Chamtzen. Amar Rabba Barbarshila, my Where do you see a Pasuk that a Chamtzen is a robber? Where do you get that from? What's your source? So it says, Elaikai Palteni HaKadosh Baruch Hu Protect me, okay? Miyad Russia from the hand of the Russia, Mikaf from the hand from the palm, may Avel from those who sin, the Chometz and Chometz. Chometz over there is referring to robbery. Rava Omar Mehacha Rav has a different proof that the word Chometz refers to robbery. Limdu Hatev, learn well. Dirshu Mishpat, seek out justice. Ashru Chometz. And make sure to make wealthy those that have been stolen from. Uh, help out those that have been stolen from and do not help the thief himself. Okay? Which is a very, um, sometimes in today's, in today's world, that's very, very hard to know. It's very hard to know who's... Uh, who's really the victim, who's really the bully, who's the one that took from the other one. I don't know. You know, it's, uh, if you want to get very uh, philosophical, you could say that there's really, you know, it's uh, in today's world, unfortunately, all we need to do is look no further than Israel, right? Where people are painting a picture of our, our dear Eretz Yisrael as, as the murderers, okay? And they turn the victim into the bully and the bully into the victim. And... And uh, it, it's very hard to keep things uh, to keep things on the straight and narrow, but in a more comical way and in an easier way. Just to quote my mother, when my two older kids were fighting, and one of them started screaming, and I looked at the other one and I was like, "What happened?" So my mother looks at me. I'm the youngest of thirteen. So my mother has a lot more experience than me. My mother says, "Menachem, 
it's not always the one that cries loudest that didn't start it. Very often, the one, the one crying the loudest is the one that started it. Don't, just because this one's crying doesn't mean you should look at the other one. So, in, in, a, in, in, a, in a lighter way, you know, we find that with children as well. Okay, here we go. More about Shimon HaTzadik. Turn around, the rabbis learn, so should we? The year that Shimon HaTzadik passed away. He told people that Yom Kippur, this year, I'm going to pass. This is my last year. It's Amrulai. He said to Shimon HaTzadik, How do you know? Omar Lohem, Shimon HaTzadik says to them, B'chol Yom HaKippurim, every Yom Kippur, I go into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and there is an elderly person wearing white, and he comes in with me, and he walks out with me. Okay? This was like a Nevoa. It was some sort of prophecy. The Hayom, but today, this Yom Kippur, I saw the elderly person, but he was wearing black. He walked me into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And he didn't come out with me. After Sukkot, after the Yom Tiv, Shimon HaTzadah became sick for a week after Sukkot. He passed away. And his, his uh, brothers, the Kehanim, started to refrain from giving blessings with the, with the name of Hashem. Now what this is referring to, this is very interesting, what we call in our vernacular, we call it duchening. Yeah, we know that in Gemara, duchen is when the Leviim, I'm sorry, yeah, in Gemara, Duchning is when the Leviim would go and sing Shira. But in our, the way that we talk in Shul, like, oh, the Kahanim are going up to Duchen. Yeah, they're going up to, that's how we refer it. So when the Kahanim would, would bless the rest of Kal Yisrael, they would use the special name of Hashem. When Shimon HaTzadik was there, once Shimon HaTzadik passed away, they no longer used the Yudke Vavke to bless Kal Yisrael. Now they use Adoshem. They use that, uh, that other word. Okay. Period, end of that Bryson. Tanu Rabbanon, the rabbis learned so shui arbaam shanatayim korbas abayis. Forty years before the destruction of the second base on Mikdash, lo hayagorol ola biyamin. It is for forty entire years. Lashem did not come up in the right hand of the kain gadol. V'lo hayaloshin shalzoharis malbim. And the wool of red never turned white. And the western, most western lamp of the menorah of the seven branches never remained lit from one day to the next. And the doors of the heichel, and doors of the heichel would open by themselves. Okay, now Rashi says this was not a good sign. This was a sign, says Rashi, that people are going to be able to enter the Beis HaMikdash easily. And we're not really protected. Ad Shagor ben Zakai. Until Rabbi Echenon ben Zakai gave Musr to the doors. Omar loy. He said to the doors, Heichel, Heichel. 
Holy, holy. Why are you causing Mavis? Mavis is fear. Why are you causing fear? We know at some point this base Hamik is going to be destroyed. Zechariah ben Idoi already prophesied that this is what is going to happen. There's going to be a chorba. Open up your doors and let fire um, eat the cedars. Okay? Now, what does this mean over here? How do we explain this statement of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai to the doors? So, says the Gemara to explain, Omar of Yitzchak ben Tevloi. Rabbi Yitzchak, the son of Tevloi, says, why is the Beis Hamikdash referred to as Levanon? Shemalbin Avoneseim Shel Yisrael, because it brings whiteness to the sins of Kal Yisrael. You know, white represents purity, and the Beis Hamikdash was the ultimate place for a yid to do tshuva. And the word tshuva, by the way, does not mean repentance, or I shouldn't say it doesn't mean repentance, because I myself never looked up repentance in the dictionary. But the word tshuva means to return. Alright? Shuv in Hebrew means to return. So when a person does tshuva, we're returning back to our source. We're returning back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the ultimate place to perform this tshuva and to come closer to Hashem is in the Beis HaMikdash. Okay. Amrav says, Why do you find Elsewhere, the base mikdash is referred to as a forest. Where do you find that? The house of the forest of whiteness. Just like a forest has seasons and it, it blooms, so too you find that in the base mikdash. Now, what is that referring to? The first. We, we came across the Gemara earlier, this is fascinating. He planted golden trees, trees that grew gold, okay? And they produced fr- fruits, gold fruits, in the season that those fruits were supposed to grow. And when the wind would blow, these fruits would fall off. It says, Yirash Kalvanim, period. It, it, it uh, blows in the wind your fruits. And the Kohanim would be able to take these golden fruits and sell them for money. Once the, the non Jews, the idol worshippers, came into the Hechel, the trees dried up, as it says, the trees of Levonoin, the bloom of Levonoin is now gone. However, Bezaz Hashem will have the merit of seeing this tomorrow. Mashiach will come, Bezaz Hashem. And Bez Hamikdash is going to be rebuilt. And we're going to be Zaycha, we're going to merit to see these fascinating golden trees that grow shapes of fruits in their season. Shinemar, as it says, Paroach Tifrach, Vesogel Afkilas Varonon. It's going to come a time where there's going to blossom and we're going to be uh, singing 
and gladness, because the glory of Levonin will be given back to her. Period. End of that discussion on that part of the Mishnah. All right, here we go. Next part of the Mishnah says, Nisanon al Shnei Seir. The Kohen Gadol stuck both hands and he pulled out in one hand Lashem, one hand Lazozel. And then, whichever one was in his right hand, he puts on the right. Left hand, he puts on the left. Tanu Rabbonon, the rabbis learned in Soshuli. Eser Pa'amim Maskir Kohen Gadol Esashem Bo Bayom. There are ten times when the Kohen Gadol mentions Hashem's name on Yom Kippur. And what we mean by Hashem's name is the Yud Kei Vav Kei. The letter Yud, the letter Hey, the letter Vav, the letter Hey. That word is mentioned ten times throughout his avoda, throughout his service on Yom Kippur. When Shlosha three times Bividui Risho by his personal carbon chatos, his personal bull offering that he brought for for him and his household. So in that confession, in that confession, he mentioned the Yurke Vavke three times. Ushlosha Bividui Sheni. And three times by the second vidui of his of his uh carbon. Ushlaisha Basar Mishtalech. And three times by the sar that was sent away, what we know as the goat of Azazel, the echad b'gairolais, and one time with the gairolais. Okay, now what is this referring to with the gairolais? What we're talking about. When he lifted up and it says Lashem, he actually called out Yud Kei Okay, that name is the name that he called out. That was the tenth time. So you have three on this, on it. Three for the, the bull, three for the bull, three for the, the Zazel, and one by the lots. Hence, ten times, Yud Kevavke on Yom Kippur. Amar Rabbi Barachan, Rabbi Barachana says, Mirushalayim liyericho asara parsois. From Yerushalayim to Yericho is a distance of ten parsois. Okay? What's ten parsois? At twenty to twenty-five miles. And the sound of the doors of the sanctuary opening was heard at a distance of eight Tchum Shabbos. So what's is a, what is a Tchum Shabbos? 2,000 Amos. What's 2,000 Amos times eight? 16,000 Amos. And we know that each Amma is the dispute between one and a half and two feet. Okay? So we have up until 24 to 32,000 feet was the noise that could be heard when the doors were opening. And the goats in Yericho that were 20 to 25 miles away, they were mitzachos. They would sneeze when they would smell the katayrus. You could smell the Keteris for miles. Noshim Shev Yericho and the women in Yericho they never needed to put on perfume. They always smelled amazing. They didn't need to put on perfume because there was such a delicious smell that wafted everywhere. You walk into a bakery and you walk out you smell like a good piece of fresh bread. 
smell like a good donut, yeah? So anybody who lived in the vicinity of the smell of the Keteris, yeah, they, they, all, they, always smelled, uh, they always smelled nice. Kala Sheb Yerushalayim, and you should know a Kala, a bride in Yerushalayim, yeah? She, she never needed to put on perfume. Omer Velazar Ben Degloi, Rebbe Lazar Ben Degloi says, Izim hayu la'aba bahari mivchar, my father had goats on hare mivchar, okay? This is uh, mountains around Eretz Yisrael. They also would sneeze from the Keteris. I was schmoozing with an elderly Yid, an elderly Jew. Um, and he said that one time he went to Shiloh, and he was able to smell the, uh, the Keteris from the time that the Mishkan was in Shiloh, which was centuries earlier, you could still get the smell of the Keteris from the walls. That's how seeped into the walls the, the Keteris was. Okay, it's fascinating. Uh, if you want to dwell on this a little further, the mission of us tells us that if there's 120, after 120 years, the walls of a person's home testify about them. Yeah, the walls of our homes testify about us, what we did inside our homes. Because what we do, the sounds of Torah inside of our homes and the things that we do get seeped into the walls. All right? says, When they would do the lottery, this was Me'akev. It was Me'akev the Avoda. Okay? It was crucial. It was essential to the Avoda. However, to put the to place Lashem and Lazozel, if it wasn't done properly, okay, or it wasn't done, is not Ma'akiv the Avoda. Rav Yochanan says no. Afalia inimakepes. He says even the drawing of the lots that being done uh, properly is also not Ma'akiv. Okay, so let's say the Kohen Gadol does does uh, not pull out the Lashem Lazozel. Let's say he skips the lottery. And he just sends one animal Lashem and one animal Lazazel on his own. He did the wrong thing, but it's valid. According to Rabbi anything done while in his white linen garments outside the Kodesh HaKadoshim was not Ma'akib. According to him, everybody would agree. Listen, this is certainly outside the Kodesh HaKadoshim. He's wearing his white garments. So according to that opinion, you're right. If you don't do the lots, certainly it's certainly not ma'akiv. Okay, the the avoda will be valid. Where they are going to Reb Nechemia? Reb Nechemia says that even outside the kodesh hakadoshim is ma'akiv, as long as you're wearing the white garments. So according to one who says that it's ma'akiv to do the lottery, Reb Nechemia he holds like Reb Nechemia. You're wearing the white garments, even if you're outside the kodesh hakadoshim, you got to make sure that part of the avoda is done. You can't just say lashem lazozel. It's got to be done. However, but according to one who says that if the Kohen Gadol did not do it right, it's still valid. It's because they hold that when you're wearing the white garments, it's only ma'akib when you're doing the avoda, but the actual pulling out of the lots is not considered an essential part of the avoda. Let's just wrap this up for today. Here we go. Says the Gemara, Ika Da Amri. There are 
some who understand it as follows. Who says that when you're wearing the white garments, it's always ma'akev. Everybody agrees it's ma'akev. Okay. Keep According to one who says that if you don't do the lots, it's okay. Kareb Yehuda, that agrees with Reb Yehuda. Okay? Because it's not in the Kaidah Shakadashim, so it shouldn't be ma'akev. Umanda Amar Ma'akva, the Quran's one who says that pulling out the lots is Ma'akev, will say shiny hacha. Here it is different, the Tanabe Kra, because the Pasuk says, Asher Allah, this that comes up in his hand, Asher Allah, Trezimni, it says the word Allah twice. Okay? And therefore, you got to follow that when, you, when something's repeated twice, whenever something's said twice in the Torah, it means surely. This must be done. If you repeat it, that means it's got to be done. If you say it once, maybe that means it's not Ma'akiv. And since, even though it's outside the Kedosh HaKadoshim, since we say it twice, that, that opinion will say that pulling of the lots is essential. And if you don't pull the lots, the whole Avodah is not going to be valid. We'll hold it here. We're up to Mesve. We're two lines from the bottom of, of uh, Lama Tessim at Vez 39b. And Be'ezus Hashem, Tomorrow we will uh, we will pick up from uh, from Mesve. We'll go back a couple lines just to get our heads uh, back in the sugya tomorrow as well. But um, today's Thursday, so on Erev Shabbos we learn twelve fifteen Central Time, uh, twelve fifteen p.m. Central on Fridays. So for anybody who's able to join us, please do so tomorrow. Otherwise, it'll be recorded and uh, and posted. Have a wonderful wonderful evening.